from wallstack.ca. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast Series, where we discuss all kinds of financial principles, concepts, and products. Our aim is to make money matters simple again. Hey there. Are you a new immigrant to Canada? And are you stressed about all the things that you don't know? Well, in the studio today, I have Dwayne Littler, and we are unpacking the most important things that you need to do in the first three weeks, the first three months, and the first three years around your financial plan. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Dwayne. Hi, good morning, Vincent. Thank you for, for having me here today, and I look forward to our chat. Just before we start, Dwayne, can you maybe just kind of tell us a little bit in terms of why did you leave South Africa and why did the family choose Canada? Because everyone's got a story. You know, every time that we talk to um, clients and people, they all have stories. And what is your story? Yeah, sure. Uh, so our story actually goes back quite a long way. Um, we do have family here. So my, my wife's dad has been in Canada for the last 20 mm-hmm. years. And because of that, we have visited him on a few occasions. And I think um, always with, you know, the thought in the back of our head, you know, we would like to maybe live here. Um, at that stage, we just couldn't get ourselves to leave South Africa. Um, we were young. We were basically getting married. We were starting out and all the family was there. So it was a tough, tough decision to, to make. So we didn't make it initially. And then only when we visited Canada with our kids, I think your perspective changes. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at the country in a different light. You look at it from your kids' future point of view. You look at it from just a family point of view. And um, that's that was in 2015, end of 2015. And uh, we came back. And the first year after that trip, we realized we had to make a plan. So we started our journey December 2016. With our, um, we met with the immigration mm-hmm. consultant, and yeah, and our process really flew by. We were the lucky ones. It took about a year to get uh, PR status. So, um, so that's kind of how the story unfolded. I think the second half of the story arriving here is actually uh, a, probably a, a longer story, more mm-hmm. interesting one. But the reason we came is just looking for the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. We always with our mind on the future, and I think. You have to live life that way, always mm-hmm. planning for the future, you know, whether it be life, whether it be financial side, whether it just be educational mm-hmm. side. And that's kind of the main reason we came mm-hmm. for that opportunities from a future point of view. Thanks, Dwayne. That's great. I, I still need to find the, the person that's that uh, spent more time than us in terms of moving from one country to the other. My family is a bit like a mustard seed, you know, wherever you throw them. That's where they take root and that's it. So it took, it took us like 10 years to find our way to Canada. So, wow. so just for the listeners, Dwayne uh, also joined Wallstack in December as head of business development. So yeah, it's great, Dwayne, to have you on the team anyway. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. So what we want to talk about today is really for those uh, immigrants coming into uh, Canada. It doesn't have to be South Africans, obviously. The content is, um, for this podcast, structured more for South Africans. Uh, so what we thought we want to do is um, just give the listeners a sense in terms of, uh, you know, what we think they need to do prior to leaving South Africa or their country. Um, what are the main things to do within the first three weeks and then the three months and then the first three years of moving into Canada? And so, you know, I just remember the, the, when we got here, like, it was like super daunting, you know, moved to a, an Airbnb for the first two weeks, then moved into our rental property and the container arriving and it was just like a nightmare, you know, and I, and I can still see people moving to Canada now that first, that first three weeks, you know, they, they walk around with, um, it's like a, a train coming, in, you know, in front of the tunnel and, you know, like big eyes and, and not sure what's going to happen uh, going forward. I don't know, Dwayne, was, what was your experience like? Yeah, I know, definitely, Vincent. I think it's, it's very overwhelming. I think you can easily take it for granted um, just how difficult it is making that transition, mm. right? I think you do all the, I call it all the big ticket items you normally think of and you tick off your list. But you forget sometimes the smaller things that also make a big difference. And it's always important to kind of, I think, have a checklist. So know what you're getting yourself into 
um, and make sure that you kind of cover everything. Mm. It takes a bit of work yeah. and discipline, but it's it's important. It's yeah. critical. And I think that just helps you to make that transition a bit easier. So I think today's discussion around just giving some pointers for for new immigrants coming to Canada to consider, I think does go a long way. And I think just both of us having the experience of seeing people come and settle and our, through our own experience, we know it's definitely important to look at mm. these these pointers. I think, uh, you know, when I also speak to clients, um, I, I think it's just important for the listeners also just to hear that it is a tough thing to do. Uh, you know, very often we we share our best moments on social media, you know, on Facebook and LinkedIn, whatever, you know, we're seeing this thing and that thing kind of thing. But very often it's like really difficult, you know, especially just from a money perspective, you know, you take your cash in South Africa divided by, what is it now, 13 and a half or something. You're coming to a new country, new job, um, new way of life, and it's just difficult, you know. So uh, I just want to put that on the table, you know, that very often we look at other people's lives from a social media perspective and we think, oh, they've got it. <laughs> The the thing is, we don't have it. You know, it's like uh, it's it is difficult, and and we just want to give that perspective for the listeners to say that it's been tough for me, and I, Dwayne, it's been tough for you guys as well. Oh, definitely, definitely tough. I think, I think that's a very important point you make there. Is that uh, don't get too carried away by the uh, social media posts necessarily, because as human beings, we post only the positive. But I think that's why discussions like today is important to say, look, mm. let's not sugarcoat it. Let's be aware of it and let's make sure we can help each other through it. So the reason for the way that we structured this thing is to make sure that uh, what we often find is that if, if, um, if our clients know what they need to do uh, in the future, it gives them a lot of more you know, peace of mind kind of thing. Yes, we're not going to be able to do everything now. But just to know that there's a plan in place um, going forward. And so these, that's why these pointers will, will, um, will help you um, making that transition. Okay, so Dwayne, shall we di just dive into the first few points? And, and here it's really about what we think the guys need to do before leaving South Africa. So we have a few points here. Some of these ones we're going to dive in detail and some we're just going to mention it. Yeah, thanks, so Vincent. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know what, it's just maybe upfront to say this is not an exhaustive list, but these are kind of the things that have come up um, as common across most of us. Uh, but, it, you know, it's important to make sure that you get this part correct so that it sets you up nicely by the time you arrive uh, in Canada. So maybe I'll mention the first one or two. I think... Because you're moving to a country, a new country, nothing is really set up. So you're not in the system, you don't have a credit card, you don't have a bank account, you have nothing pretty much uh, before you arrive. So make sure that you have made plans to ensure a smooth transition. So one of the things you want to do is make sure that you can use your credit card um, overseas. So make sure that the bank or the credit card issuer knows that you will be making uh, transactions um, in a foreign country so that there's no block or no hold because it's important you're going to need access to cash especially in the first few weeks so that's a very important one and then maybe another one I, I mentioned Vincent that sometimes people don't um, necessarily think of because you just focus on moving is that don't forget you actually have to cancel your home and car insurance that you have so chances are you probably would have sold your house um, sold the car so make sure that you uh, are not paying the insurance on that side. So I think, mm. again, with the currency, money is key and your affordability and your spending power is key. So make sure you don't spend unnecessarily. That's good. Okay, so then uh, two things on the financial, uh, pure financial side. The one is uh, make sure that your life insurance and critical illness and if you have disability cover through, let's say, PPS, then just keep it intact. Uh, it's... Um, don't cancel the things. If you leave the company uh, that you're working for, then obviously some of those group benefits will disappear. But any private insurance, uh, just keep them for now. Um, don't cancel it because it does take some time and it does take a while for the underwriting in Canada to come through before uh, we can issue coverage for you uh, offshore. 
So just make sure that that's in place. And then the other really important one is uh, retirement funds. And so Dwayne, I mean, we've, we've seen a, quite a few clients now um, that cashed in their preservation funds after leaving South Africa, settled in here, and that could be a problem for them. And so just in this sense, just make sure that when you want to leave South Africa, coming to Canada, uh, or like any other country, um, that if you decide not, we say that, we don't say that you have to cash in your preservation funds, but if you decide to do that, then do that before leaving South Africa, that you have the, paid the exit tax of those um, retirement funds in South Africa, the money arrives in your bank account in South Africa before you become a tax resident in Canada. Because once you land here and start working by default, you become a tax resident. And if you're a tax resident, then uh, you have to declare worldwide income. And then that pension uh, payments or that uh, pension balance that was paid out to you in South Africa, in the bank account in South Africa, does form part of your tax filing for that year in Canada. And so obviously you do get a tax credit for whatever you paid in South Africa, but um, there could be a top up on this side if you're a high income earner. So uh, just uh, that's kind of, the, in my mind, that's probably the one of the biggest uh, money tickets that the client just need to be aware of before uh, becoming a tax resident here. So there are other nuances in terms of once you become a tax resident, um, bringing money in, there are um, possibilities of moving that into your RRSP or your retirement fund in Canada and get the full tax benefit again. Um, so there are a few things that one can do in terms of moving that, that cash out once you cash it out in South Africa. Uh, but that's probably one of the big things just to be aware of. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's very important. And as South Africans, many of us have retirement annuities back home. And so I think if if you ever in doubt, I think you know, reach out to to the financial experts and make sure that you're on on top of that. Okay, then we have a few um, smaller items. Uh, driver's license, man. I, you know, how many times it took me to get my driver's license in South Africa. <laughs> I was, I was there. One of the, my birthday was in September, um, nineteen ninety. So just when K, what is it, K? K fifty three, I think. K fifty three yeah. came in. So I was like one of the first guys in Brantford in the Free State to do it, and they failed me four times. <laughs> <laughs> it took me five times to get my driver's license. So I was. I was a little bit nervous coming to Canada to get my driver's license here. But was it difficult, Dwayne? Um, no. So I actually had a very positive experience. Um, but I think the one point where I slipped up was, um, and I actually did this from Canada, but to save you a lot of hassle and stress, I would recommend make sure that you receive your confirmation mm -hmm. of South African driver's license, right? So you get that from the... Uh, road uh, traffic uh, organization in in South Africa make sure that it, the certificate says when you were first issued with a license you are going to need that in Canada you're going to have to present that uh, it does help you with obtaining your Canadian license I was lucky to receive that in my first week when I arrived in Canada so that did help if you do not have it they treat you as a new young 18 year old coming to pass mm. for their driver's license so you got to do everything from scratch and just a little uh, tips so canada has three levels of drivers testing right so which is quite different to south africa and that's why it's important to have that confirmation because it allows you to skip a level um but i had a positive experience Vincent. thank goodness i didn't have to do it four times <laughs> <laughs> and luckily i passed out when it was there was no snow so so that was also good uh, excellent. Okay, so uh, passports and tickets. So this is a very common question, you know, how do I carry my important documents uh, when I'm leaving South Africa? And so basically make a copy of all the documents, put it in uh, Dropbox or, or um, Google Drive, and then you just carry your physical documents in your folder, passports, and any other immigration documents. I would, I would just like, you know, we've got a blue file that if the house burns down, we all scramble for the blue file. So um, our suggestion is just to have one file in hand when you fly, that's like the most important things that doesn't leave your sight 
and uh, you carry it on your carry bag and and those are the important documents that you take with you yeah i think that's important i think maybe just an extra tip i uh, you know to, with today and cloud storage and access it's also maybe good to make sure that you have have it stored in the cloud in some form um, so that you could access it from anywhere uh, but I would just echo God that folder with your life, uh, especially as you make your way through through customs and through uh, immigration when you do land uh, in Canada. Uh, as an extension of that, I think another point to consider uh, is, I would say, travel insurance. And um, I would even go so far as say maybe health insurance. So initially when you arrive, uh, you will not be uh, in the healthcare system just yet. Right, so it's part of the uh, process in your first few weeks, but to ensure that this uh, that you're covered in the event of any medical emergencies, make sure that you've got travel insurance, health insurance. Um, there'll probably be a waiting period as well. So I know from an Ontario province point of view, there was usually a three-month waiting period. Um, however, when I arrived during COVID, they uh, they did away with the waiting period, so I was fortunate. But as far as I know, that's been reinstated, so it's back to three months. So just make sure that you're covered for those three months. You know, um, if if you need any any health uh, health uh, assistance, that you that you can obviously get it out of your extended insurance. So I think that's also very important. Set it up before you come, and then that's one less thing to worry about. Okay, Dwayne, let's talk about the first three weeks of arriving in Canada. You know, that's obviously a very stressful time. And uh, we all sit with our own own stories again in terms of what happened that, that first three weeks. Very, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of stress in the family. Uh, yes, there are some really good experiences in terms of new place and all these kind of things. Uh, but just practically, you know, there are quite a few things that um, can trip us up if if we don't know about the things up front. Okay, so let's talk about uh, those points. The first one is uh, bank account. Obviously, you want to race to the bank to make sure that um, you get that bank account set up as quickly as possible, and um, and that will uh, help open the doors for you on the next step. Yeah, I think that that's a very important point. The bank account is critical. Uh, you're, you're going to need that. Um, so make sure that you get to the bank, it'll obviously make it easier to pay bills, receive salary if you are employed, um, to transfer money, uh, just makes it so much easier. Obviously, one of the link to that, I would argue, one of the most important things you're going to do up front and first and foremost is get your social insurance number. So again, you need to go to a Service Canada location. Uh, that's a very important number in Canada. So that allows you to obviously be employed, to pay your taxes, um, so that's a number you don't share with anybody. It's important that you keep it safe, but you're going to need that um, to basically enter the, the financial system, I would say, put it that way. So it's important that you get that. Um, as, as Make that your number one priority, I would argue. That and your bank yeah. account goes together, I would say. Um, once you've done that, um, I think you want to then... You want to build credit. So in Canada, and Vincent can elaborate on this, he knows he's seen this, Credit is very important. Uh, if they look at your credit score um, to determine quite a few things uh, that you apply for in Canada. So the sooner you get a credit card, the better, because it then starts your credit score history. Uh, and, and that is why you want to get a credit card and use it obviously responsible. So make sure you understand how the credit score system works so that you can obviously stay um, above board in terms of, of the rules they apply when calculating your, your credit score. So I would say, Vincent, those three points mm. go together. You know, get your social insurance number. In Canada, they call it a SIN number. You'll hear that flying around. Open a bank account and get a, get a credit card. Yes, and I think just a, a, one other takeaway here is that for South Africans, uh, the banks in Canada is not similar to those in South Africa, so it's not as uh, efficient. Uh, so Investec, um, FNB, um, RMB, they're all a lot better than 
the banks that we find in Canada. So we've, you know, testimony. I've been more in banks in the last five years than my previous 45 years in, in South Africa. So just a fact. And yes, um, checks are still used in Canada, which is kind of a bit strange. Uh, but I think it's it just what, what I also just want to say is that don't look always to the negative. You know, I did read an article a few years ago on the plane um, that even though we sit with a banking system that we think in Canada is archaic, uh, the amount of fraud that happens in Canada is way less than the fraud in South Africa per capita, um, even with all the software and all the efficient tools that we have in South Africa. So there is um, there's maybe benefit to that as well. One other thing, just on the credit card, um, when you when you open your credit card, um, normally, you know, let's say RBC or Scotia, whatever, they have a newcomer's package, and they normally start around two thousand dollars overdraft facility. Um, you know, I would suggest just take as much as you can. Uh, and just back to Dwayne's point from a from a credit score perspective, it took me a while to realize how it's calculated, but effectively, if you get a two thousand um, dollar loan you don't want to spend more than 30 percent on that so let's say 600 bucks and then you pay it off for money in your debit card again so you would use your credit card for most of the purchases don't spend more than 30 percent on your facility and then you pay it back so what the uh, the credit formula kind of work is that they want to make sure that yes you have credit first step second step is yes you are using the credit Third step is you're using it responsible, so not more than 30 or 40%. And fifth one, that you can actually pay it back. Okay, so if you do that, you are good to go. One credit card is fine. You don't have to have other um, credit cards and loans, whatever. So that one is fine. Dwayne, there's some other points here for the first three weeks. Yeah, so I'll I'll go with the the next two. I think it's all it's it's practical tips and advice just to help you integrate into life in Canada a bit better. And then the third one, we can uh, maybe you can jump on Vincent. But I would say obviously depending on the the status of your move, you you obviously want to know where to live, right? So if you're coming on a work permit, you probably want to live close to the your employment. Right. If you don't have work yet, you might have broader options in terms of where you want to live. So you want to research housing options, uh, get in touch with a, a realtor that can help you. Um, you probably want to do a bit of that research anyway before you come uh, to Canada so you can know where you want to settle. Um, so many options, uh, rentals in terms of apartments, condos or ho- houses and homes. So, so do that. That's a very important thing to do. And then the second point I want to say is get a local cell phone, uh, again, as soon as you can. Again, it's just going to make life easier. Um, the earlier you get a phone, the the better for you because it allows you to basically put an end to your South African contract uh, if you don't need it anymore for any practical reasons because those could become quite costly in terms of roaming charges. So I think, um, again, just from a practical integration settling point of view, make sure that you've covered the housing options or for, for where you want to live and uh, get a local cell phone. So, I mean, there are, there are many providers and options, so it, it shouldn't be too difficult um, at this point in time. Then the other thing I think you want to do is, and this is very important, you might not see the impact from your day-to-day life immediately, but it's important to set yourself up correctly, Vincent, and I think mm. um, maybe you can elaborate, but group benefits. So if mm. you are coming over on a work permit, you, you immediately are entitled to, to, to group benefits in most cases. But just how do we go about, mm. we mentioned earlier about keeping your South African insurance uh, products intact until you are settled in Canada. But we do recommend review the group insurance uh, benefits that you have. And um, mm. ideally we say, you look at WealthStack, we, we say, do your dashboard, you yeah. know, get a get a global view. But maybe you can just explain what we've done with with previous uh, yes. South Africans moving over. Yeah, so that's a that's a tricky one because they need to make a decision pretty quickly. You know, if yeah. they have a soft landing from an employment perspective, so they have to decide which group benefits they want to choose. And very often, yeah, there's no support from the company perspective. They they will throw you with a PDF or the, with a booklet uh, in terms of the decisions to make, and it's different. You know, so. The group benefits are set up differently uh, compared to South Africa, and, uh, and I think we'll touch on that also a little bit later. Um, 
so normally we would kind of just say that if there's uh, basic life insurance, it normally gives you a basic life insurance where you don't have an option, you know, just like one times or two times salary or a disability cover, then you take it, you know, because it's just part of your package. You don't have a choice to take it. And if they offer any um, matching on the retirement side, then obviously you just want to take that. You know, sometimes there's a waiting period. I think the bigger confusion really is for people um, on the medical side. Uh, it, it, that could be a little bit complicated to, to pick that. The one thing that we would uh, do say to people is just, we, we normally find that optional life cover and optional critical illness and this kind of stuff is more expensive over time. Uh, so that's why what, uh, what Dwayne alluded to is create a dashboard on Wellstack. It takes you five to seven minutes to know what uh, what level of goal you need to have with critical illness, disability, and, and life cover. Um, it gives you a way to input all your existing products in there, and then you can see how much you have short, um, uh, you know, whether there's a gap in any of those goals. So I would really encourage you to make contact with us or with someone else just to take you through those group benefits to make sure that you select the right ones. Um, yes, you can always deselect them later on, but it's just better if you if you make the right decisions up front. Um, and again, um, the, the biggest difference there is that group benefits don't offer any critical illness coverage than what you have in South Africa, for example. And the medical side here covers you uh, for dental and optical and extended medical coverage, you know, what we call auxiliary benefits in South Africa. You know, so um, sometimes they offer you a choice of those kind of things and you're most welcome to make contact with us just to help you guide through that because they, there's no guidance normally from, from companies. Okay, so let's talk about the first uh, three months. Now we've settled the first three weeks. We're getting into our cadence. Uh, we, um, we, uh, we've got a car to drive, got a cell phone, we've got bank account, credit card, all those kind of stuff, a place to live. Now, Dwayne, that first three months is a interesting time period. Yeah, definitely. By, by now, you're probably feeling a little bit more at home. Um, you, you're getting used to the weather. Uh, in Canada, you're probably uh, picking up on, uh, on on the accent side a little bit, but yeah, life's becoming a bit normal, right? So now that you've done all that, those initial steps, it's important to start, I think, really looking at life in general and planning for the future. It's important, right? So I think one of the, f the first things we, we like to encourage people to do is uh, create a financial plan. You know, it's, it's very important that you know uh, how you stack up. You know, life has changed dramatically. You've moved from one country to another. And because of that, everything else has changed, right? So it's important that now you want to get a sense of how does my new world look, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to create this financial plan and, that, and then tie your, your goals into that. So we normally say here at Wellstack, um, that, you know, to make it easy and simple to understand, there's generally three categories that uh, all people have in terms of financial goals or their financial planning. And through our dashboard, we help illustrate that for you and bring it to life. So uh, we say, look, that once you've completed the, the dashboard, it allows you to obviously understand and track your goals. Uh, you can see uh, where the gaps are. And we know that it can be very stressful during this time. So a tool like this definitely helps just to give you a sense of, you know, people always say, if I can see it on black and white, I'm okay with it because now I know what is required of me, right? And I know what action steps uh, typically need to be taken. So we want to try and do that as soon as possible. And that's why we say, once the dust has settled after your first three months, Mm. Give focus and attention to that financial plan. Um, at Wellstack, like I said, we've we've done lots of good work developing this dashboard, and that's really a tool that we think can help you uh, achieve this. Yeah, and so and I think maybe just to add on to what Dwayne says there is that, you know, I would say um, ninety nine percent of the time, um, you know, people are st stressed just because they don't know, you know, what's in the system. And when they look at that initial dashboard, 
that Dwayne talks about, you know, it is tough to swallow, <laughs> you know, because as we said, you know, you take your rent divided by 13 and a half and then you see what you have kind of thing. But there is a there, there is an encouragement point, encouraging point there to, you know, to say that when we work with clients and what we've seen happening, you know, from that first three months and then after three years and now five years or six years later, is that their score has definitely increased substantially. You know, so you you find yourself in one place now um, and there are maybe two goals there that normally stands out, but people, uh, uh, you know, where the big gaps are. The one is life insurance, just because of, you you know, if you want to pay off your debt or future mortgage here and your living cost and your life insurance goal is supposed to rep replicate that living cost for the next 10 or 20 years. That's an enormous amount if you translate that back to rents, you know, so I would say 99.9% .9 of the time people don't have enough life coverage just because of the living cost. And then the second one is obviously retirement. It, that one falls completely out of the bus because you have to reset the values, you have to reset the assumptions. And so we, we do want to just encourage you, you know, that even if you look at your dashboard, you do the planning and you like, six percent of reaching your target <laughs> you know, it's don't don't close it and don't close the computer there is hope at the end of the tunnel okay that's, that's yeah. what we see you know slowly 100 percent, right i mean there's a saying how do you eat an elephant right but by bit so uh, don't be don't be put off uh you know what the best time to start was probably yesterday but the next best time to start is today so uh, the sooner you start the better for you and it's again, if you don't know where you stand, you actually don't know where you should be headed. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's why the plan becomes so important, right? And, and I think it's at the very least, you should be doing a plan. How you then implement it is up to you. Okay, but, but the plan, it starts with the plan. And I think once you have the mm -hmm. plan, the next thing I want to say you should be looking at, or actually it goes hand in hand, is mm. creating your budget. Mm. Because it's important on a monthly basis that you can keep track of your expenses, your income, that you're living with in your means comfortably, but that you also have enough to allocate to your, your well stack goals on your plan. Right. So your financial goals that you have in mind, uh, we want to make sure that that's the bit by bit part that, that we refer to, that you can allocate to it, that you can work on the retirement goal. So it's important that you then have a plan, but also a budget. The budget controls the day-to-day -day and the plan is longer term. But it, together, the two definitely uh, goes hand in hand. And I think especially coming to Canada where things are different, uh, you're not, you haven't yet found your... Um, your groove, I would say, when it comes to grocery shopping, what to pay uh, in terms of gas, what what to pay for maybe sports membership or gym or what, whatever the case may be, you still need to kind of get a, a handle on that. And that's where the budget really will, will, will stand you in good stead. And I think, Dwayne, what we need to do is we should maybe put together a few budgets, you know, for, let's say, a family where the husband and wife is together and then one with small kids. Yeah. You know, one with older kids and single people so just to kind of give them a sense in terms of of that um, budget but that is like a, and you can really only establish that budget after three four months of expenditure you know kind of see what's exactly. going through the wallet uh, what I do want to just add on to that is just you know don't um, if you have the means uh, just know that this is a time of spend you know we are going through different seasons in life uh, you know in some seasons we save uh, because there's more than enough and then other seasons, we just need to make use of the money, you know, that we have. And I always kind of think about the Israelites leaving Egypt, you know, and going through the desert. And they were crying out to God, you know, please give us some meat to eat. And God sent them the quills. Is that right? What? Yeah. So, um, but, you know, one thing is they had like thousands of sheep. Why didn't they kill a few <laughs> sheep to eat? You know, just because you know, I think just because they don't want to dip into their savings. Yeah. You know, so uh, um, you know, just just know that this is a time that you are going to spend more money than what you used to. Um, but this is a season, you know, and 
that will that season will also pass and then you'll move into the new season so just be just be uh, a little bit uh, have enough grace for yourself in this time yeah establish i think we talked about establishing credit uh, maybe just one last point there within the first three months is there are a few providers that you can sign up uh, like borrow well uh, or credit karma uh, it's for free and they will send you then an email once a month or every second week to help you um, to look at your credit score uh, and some tips around that so i think that's useful um, apply for driver's license i think we've talked about that Dwayne, we've talked any? about that i think uh, now it's obviously the time to to make that appointment mm -hmm. now that you know what to expect and another thing uh, your driver's license is typically considered your primary form of identification yeah. so so you want to kind of get that out of the way as soon as possible um, so don't forget to put that on your list for the first three months that you you book your appointment i would even go so far as to say if you really are uncomfortable because remember now you're driving on the other side of the road for south africans so what many south africans have done they 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 sign up for one or two lessons just to get the feel of what they're looking to evaluate and test so that's maybe not a bad idea um, but if you're comfortable and you're confident you can go for it on your own if you're an experienced driver but mm. i would say don't forget the driver's license it's your identification mm. so it's very important and typically that's what you want to use because you'll have it on your person all the time as opposed to carrying a passport around yeah and they normally if you open any accounts um, they would normally ask for two government issued uh, identities and so you sit with your passport and that's it. And that's it. And now you're stuck. Now you're stuck. Yeah. Um, so you, need, you definitely want to get a, your driver's license card for that because even your health card is not accepted as a photo ID. You know, so that's, that's, yes. uh, that's important. Um, let's just jump back to the group benefit selection because some, some people had a soft landing in the first three, three weeks. They had to select some stuff. Uh, what we do see is that, you know, um, they select maybe a few things, learn a few other things, and then within the first three months realize, but oh, you know, I haven't made the right selection now again. And so um, we do think it's important just to kind of revisit your group benefits and having that in line, now's the time to really start thinking about your your South African insurance. Okay, so we so you've left it in South Africa, you still have some money there that pays the um, the insurance premiums. But it's an ideal time now to um, uh, apply for coverage in, in Canada. And then once that coverage is implemented in Canada, we then um, apply to stop that. So we have a few articles separately on insurance in Canada, the differences between uh, Canadian level cost and South African but Dwayne, maybe just quickly in terms of the differences, why do we say it's better, you know, to buy Canadian cover as opposed to leave the South African ones? Yeah, so I think firstly, I mean, from a, it's cost effective, right? So in Canada, um, you have what we call term insurance, which is typically for a time period. And in South, as South Africans, we are very well versed in I would say the traditional permanent life insurance, you know, that's, that covers your, your whole life. Now in Canada, it's, it's very important to understand that the equivalent of that in Canada is, is quite expensive. Um, and, but the nice thing is that the, has, there's a different category called term insurance, which is, which is for a period only, but also in Canada, uh, you know, in South Africa, your premiums would increase every year. In Canada, you, you, certain products also have level premiums, so it doesn't increase for the duration of the, of the, of the term. So that's also Im important to note. And obviously, just, I mean, in simplest form, just the currency itself, mm. right? I mean, that's, that, it makes sense now that you're in Canada, mm. you know, you do have to do that conversion, make sure that you are covered um, appropriately for where you are at this point in, in life um, and make sure that you're not kind of over-insured and paying on on two sides. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's why now's the time to really start focusing. You, you're coming now probably to, you know, that three-month mark. You want to say, listen, we need to relook really this, especially once you're settled with employment and with your budget and everything, you kind of want to just close the loop and make sure that you... Um, 
it, it, I almost want to say, for lack of a better word, everything Canadianized, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but and I think once you go through this step, you're closer to being fully settled. Mm. And I think, but again, and this is the part where you're going to need help. Reach out to the people that are well versed and experienced, to the experts, um, and ch- chat to them, and they can help you. We can help you. You just got to obviously uh, reach out. So maybe just three practical things there as well is that um, under insurance review uh, or coverage, those are the three pillars there. The one is critical illness that we normally uh, encourage people to take all the way till the age of 75. You know, that's it's still a term from now till 75. Your premium is, you know, it's flat. It's consistent throughout the time. So it doesn't go up or down. The second one is your disability insurance coverage. If you don't have that from the group benefits, that uh, normally runs till the age of 65. And that covers your loss of income if you're unable to work because of uh, illness or disease. And then the last one is obviously life insurance that, that Dwayne talked about. And, you know, someone mentioned the other day uh, this concept between owning insurance and renting insurance. And I thought that's quite a nice analogy. Owning insurance that your whole life, that, that's when, you know, it, it will pay out. It doesn't matter when you pass away, either, you know, in two years from now or in 80 years from now, it will pay out whole life. So that's what you own. But because you own it, it's expensive, as Dwayne says. And then the other one is your term assurance, which we normally encourage people to buy to cover them for that liability for the next 10 or 20 years, you know, for for income that they need for the family uh, or for the mortgage. And that's what we call renting insurance. And that renting insurance is a normally a fraction of the value of the life, uh, of the whole life. Okay, so... Um, that first three months, we want to make sure that you guys are well covered here. Just because we don't have a lot of family, our support structure is not great in Canada. So uh, if something happens, we want to make sure that there's enough money on the table. Um, especially this thing that we uh, we do, you know, if death happens in the family or major illness, it's stressful anyway. So we want to make sure that uh, our clients have enough cash and are not forced to go back to South Africa just because of money reasons. And so when you do your dashboard or your planning, don't um, don't think, you know, uh, I don't want to put that assumption in or I don't want to role play correctly to define my goal just because I think it's going to be expensive. Uh, that's not ideal. Um, when you do the dashboard or when you do your own plan, do the role play properly in terms of if I die tonight and I'm not available for my family tomorrow, what are the actual consequences? And that's what we try to define in the in the dashboard that Dwayne talks about, is just to role play correctly. Yeah. Have the real numbers in <laughs> and then work backwards in terms of what do I have and how much it's going to cost me. Because once you know the number, you can more or less decide, okay, you know, then you can have proper discussions in the family. You know, yes. yes, we can't afford it. So this means that if something happens, you probably need to go back to South Africa or move to a different town that's cheaper or whatever the story is. You know, so it is important that we just uh, role play that correctly. Okay, Dwayne, I think that covers the first three months. Yeah, I think that that's. But by now, I mean if you've if you hear all all the tips and you should be well on your way. Uh, and I think things start becoming clearer and easier to understand in terms of that transition. And I think just. To add, Vincent mentioned it earlier. Be kind to yourself, right? It's it's a it's a process, it's a journey. It's not a flick the switch type of experience. So it does take time. So I think it's important that you kind of look at it that way. That you know, and I will go so far as break it up into these phases. So look at it as my three year, my three month, my three week mark mm-hmm. type of thing, and just be be kind to yourself because it does take take time to. Mm-hmm. to to sort out everything, to focus, to to chat through it. Um, but again, having this timeline does help. It helps you to manage and just uh, progress yourself uh, into a fully settled uh, Canadian resident. So when we talk about these, uh, the next phase here is the first three years. And, and one thing that just springs to mind is, is um, you know, sports are different for kids. Um, it took us a long time to get into the cadence of it's winter now, but we have to start planning for summer. You know, when summer is there, 
uh, at the end of summer I should have signed my kids up for something for fall already that's especially in the big cities like Vancouver and, and uh, in and Toronto you know the other towns are maybe better but just because of the volume of people you kind of have to budget and think about you know your life three four five months ahead in terms of what you want to sign up your kids because it's going to be full you know so my wife this morning signed up for the tennis club locally tennis club which only starts it's march now you know they can open in june or end of may hopefully but it's um and if she misses it it's full you know so half an hour later it's full so it, and those kind of things you only learn um as you go through um life here but but just know that that kind of happens and then I think the other one is just uh, part of, partly connected to that as your kids grow up now you want to start looking at universities maybe for example like my kids that we came over when they uh, entering high school um, and you want to do that applications for for uh, university which is kind of different direction uh, than for a lot of other South Africans coming in with smaller kids but just know that you are going to go through different seasons and different steps and just reach out to people that have done it before. There's no reason why you have to bump your head. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Unnecessarily. Definitely. And, and uh, maybe I just add a, a point or two. You know, I, I have two small kids uh, that are in elementary school or primary school as we know it in South Africa. So, so just be aware um, in terms of the activities, they'll also be participating. Uh, camps are a big, big part of life for, for school-going kids in Canada, um, which you will find out. So... You got to want to be on top of that, um, and also just be aware, just in terms of school in general. So um, there's lots of aftercare programs um, as well that you should just be cognizant of, um, and especially if you're working, you want to research that, make sure that you can take care of the kids after the, the school day has ended. Um, but those are the things that you you need to kind of consider once you've taken care of all those other critical things in the first three months. But you'll see, um, reach out, you learn there's lots of support groups, lots of South Africans uh, that you can obviously uh, ask and, and, and see what, what their experience has been. Then other things, now that the three months mark has come and gone, you now starting to look even further into the future. One of the things, the big decisions you're going to make again is um, considering to buy a home or to continue to rent again. If you plan to stay in Canada long term, and this is your new home, you you want to look at, at potentially buying your, your house here. Make sure to research the real estate market, determine what you can afford, determine the place you want to live and settle long term. Again, initially you might live in the city, but you might want to move out to the suburbs or vice versa, right? Depending, and there's lots of factors that will determine that decision uh, in terms of employment, schooling maybe, although... If you use the public schools, it doesn't really matter where you go. We can truly say it's, it's, a, it's a good system. Uh, but you want to, now that you've obviously employed, you want to check your affordability with the banks and the mortgage brokers um, and see exactly what is that next step in terms of buying a home uh, in, in Canada. Um, Maybe just quickly on that. Yes. Um, and most South Africans do come over as employed people as opposed to self-employed. I, I was self-employed, so a different story. But if you're employed, um, uh, it's a lot easier to get a mortgage than self-employed. So um, the banks and the lenders really look for consistency of income. So if you're self-employed and you open a corporation, uh, you have the option to pay yourself either a dividend or a salary uh, on a monthly basis. I would suggest rather just go for the salary uh, in the beginning. It's maybe a little, a little bit more tax. Uh, payable and then the dividend but at least that gives you that steady income that comes in and um, banks are just kind of look at you know steady income they don't really care about assets that you have or savings um, so just to know that that story is there with the mortgage obviously there's a difference between fixed and variable rates that you just need yes. to consider and there's pros and cons for both of them yeah from a savings perspective there are a few things that we need to do from start building the life up now um, making sure that we can save for retirement save for that home deposit uh, save for the kids education <laughs> it's like saving for everything <laughs> but there are a few good products Dwayne yeah no definitely and I mean in Canada I mean I think just immediately the first 
two that spring to mind are, are both registered accounts, uh, meaning that there's some tax advantage to them. Uh, so the, on the one end, you've got a tax-free savings account, which as South African you should be familiar with as well. And that allows you to, um, to save and to basically grow your money tax-free. Um, over time and there are obviously rules in terms of limitations per year and also lifetime limitation on what you can contribute so again you know the earlier you start the better you can give yourself more time to compound that growth into the future then on specifically for retirement we also have what we call a registered retirement savings plan or more commonly known as an RRSP and this also allows you to save for your future. It's kind of the Canadian version of a retirement annuity, uh, you know, just to give you some perspective on, on what it does. It does offer some tax advantages in the sense that your contributions can uh, lower your, your taxable income. But again, you are there are certain limits to this, um, as is the case with a retirement annuity anyway. But it's I think it's one of the... T- or it's two of the products you want to start as soon as you can. Mm. And again, just to tie it back to earlier comments we made, so that it's, it, it's part of your budget, right? That you are allocating to your RRSP and tax-free savings account every month. Just linked to that um, is the RESP, and that's your Registered Education Savings Plan. Um, and again, we have a few articles on that um, on our uh, website. Check it out but it's really there for education purposes and there's some tax benefits, again, yeah. that you can harvest from, from those kind of products. Vincent, just on that, I almost want to say to encourage you to go check it out, there's also an added bonus of the government contributing some money towards your savings as well. So uh, so go and have a look at, at those articles we've written. It explains it in more detail there, but it's, it's a nice incentive to mm-hmm. save for your children's education going forward. Okay, so there's just one or two things we're going to touch on very quickly. The one is, um, um, yes, you have your financial plan. Obviously, just kind of review it in three years' time again, you know, after, you know, not three years' time, but like every year, but just making sure that as your lifestyle changes, that you just want to review, keep on reviewing your financial plan. The other one is just um, short-term insurance coverage or general insurance, as it's known here, auto in general. Uh, what is just interesting here from a product perspective, if you... If you're renting, you need to have tenant insurance. If you own the property, obviously have uh, your own coverage for the home um, as well. On the auto side, on the car insurance, um, all these policies normally run in a 12-month cycle. So again, the premium is fixed for 12 months and then they revisit the premium and then either go up or down. So I normally uh, phone the insurance company like a month or two before and just see if I can reduce my premium. Um, so just um, just for that cadence, just to make sure that uh, you you put that into your calendar just to phone them up and to negotiate a better price for yourself yeah. on the auto side. Very important. Dwayne, um, uh, changing jobs. So what we find is that people start their dashboard doesn't look great normally (laughs) but what we do find is that people change jobs after two three years moving into a different company Um, salaries are getting higher you know selecting other benefits in the group plan and normally that's what we kind of see yeah yeah and again and, and and that's another reason why it's important to have a very easy to follow uh clear plan in place because again when you change jobs um, your your dashboard's going to change it goes without saying right so um, typically you are getting your your insurance cover either through your employer and or through private insurance right and that will also then tend to fluctuate as you make certain job changes during life you might even go self-employed and it will might change again so mm-hmm. again it's another important milestone and i think um, that's why you know if you set up early enough with your with your dashboard with your plan in place and you've got uh, people that you can talk to it makes it easier to navigate when you do change jobs Um, and i think it also then obviously allows you to uh, to have a clearer and a better um, 
view of your budget, things become easier. As you say, typically people start earning more as they get more settled and they get um, uh, better, better job titles. Yes, and as you're also moving jobs, just remember that those uh, group RRSPs, if you had with the previous company, you know, can follow you or transfer to a different provider that's there. Um, and with any new group RSP that you belong in the company, just make sure that the asset allocation on that is in line with the assumption that you had in your plan. So yes. remember, we have a risk profile linked to your um, through your goal for retirement. And if that risk profile says balanced, there's a certain assumption linked to that balanced portfolio. And you just want to make sure that your group plan is invested into the portfolio that is what we call balanced portfolio or an aggressive portfolio, conservative one. So um, that just uh, as you look at your your life insurance, you obviously want to look at your investment portfolio at the company and just make sure that it's in line uh, with your assumptions that, that you've put out. Yeah, I think maybe just one final point on that is just to say, obviously we spoke in the context of changing jobs, but we obviously do encourage and recommend that you review at least annually, right? just to make sure that you're still on track and that um, you don't want to leave it too long, uh, but at least every t- every 12 months you're having that conversation uh, with your financial advisor and making sure that you're on top of, of all your plans and actions to get to your goals. Then we've listed another point here, uh, becoming non-tax residents in South Africa and financial immigration out of South Africa. So we don't want to talk too much about this, uh, just other than to say that there are um, at least two articles um, on in on Wallstack's uh, website, go and check it out. We um, we have made some other videos as well uh, on YouTube talking about that. So we don't want to spend more time on that. But this is the time. Uh, this is like a really really important time uh, that you just need to make note of that you become non-tax resident in South Africa and do the financial migration. Um, so go and check out all the resources there. Read through it um, if you want to reach out to us and we can we can guide you through that process. Um, okay, I think that's mostly it. Maybe just one or, uh, Dwayne, I've got maybe two other things um, just here is that some people do get to say, listen, yes, thank you. I've been working for a company now for a few years, but I'm going to start my own business. Okay. Um, and just to know that there are some other planning better planning that people can do within their own business corporations as, as opposed to privately. So um, so there's a bit of a, a different uh, direction there, different points to take note of if you decide, decide to start your own business, how to create that, uh, bank accounts with that, but also then obviously financial products within your corporation. It's a lot more tax beneficial than... Um, than doing it uh, privately, or well, as opposed to being employed. So there's more tax benefits in the in in the corporation, and um, yeah, I think that's I think that's mostly yeah, that, mostly that, it. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Vincent. I think that's pretty much it. I think um, at this stage of your journey, you probably once you've managed to put everything in place, you're probably now looking ahead. Um, depending again on your status, um, whether you are on PR already, you might be thinking again about yeah. renewing those PR cards. Again, bearing in mind that's very important if you want to travel in and out of Canada. And um, if you further along that uh, uh, status, you might be looking at citizenship. So I think, generally speaking, most people would probably have to renew PR cards before citizenship arrives right. anyway. Yep. So again, have that on your radar that you don't forget about it. You've got to plan. And at the moment, we don't know turnaround times. You know, mm. in the aftermath of COVID, you know, things are taking a bit longer than they would normally. So make sure that you are obviously starting that process mm. well in advance so that you don't find yourself in a position where, you, where you're potentially stuck. Um, so again, just another point to add to the radar. Yes. Yep. Yep. And and um, I think just one final final point for me is that we also see a lot of immigrants um, and South Africans bringing their parents in, and uh, which is great from a family perspective. But obviously that could put some financial pressure on the family again. And so um, just encourage you to plan out properly, 
there are obviously other visa applications and so on, but just plan out properly from the budget perspective and housing um, and uh, so that you can just set up yourself for success. Dwayne, thank you so much. Great having you. Oh, thank you, Vincent. Thanks for the time. It was a great chat uh, and I'm sure it will bring much value and, and help those on the journey. And I wish those that are listening uh, all the best. And uh, please, uh, I, what I want to say is please reach out, check out wellstack.ca. And if you need any assistance, please reach out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. You can find our content on wallstack.ca or on LinkedIn. I'm Vincent Hayes, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast Series.